fire on the podcast. So, um, the big news that is good news is uh, the rioting in Minnesota, uh, in Minneapolis particularly, where um, Mr. George Floyd was murdered. Um, I've been quite outspoken on this on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter. Um, and I waited a day or two. And uh, back when Ahmad Arbery was uh, murdered, you know, a friend of mine posted something. It was like a meme, and then he had some comments of his own with it. But, you know, he said... Um, if uh, the meme said, um, if a, what is it, if a white man gets killed, it's, or no, it's like, if a gay man gets killed, it's a hate crime, if a Hispanic guy gets killed, it's a hate crime, if a black guy gets killed, uh, let's wait and see, you know, and there are things that have come out with Ahmaud Arbery, that, uh, you know, stray from the narrative. Um, now, there's no doubt in my mind that the two, you know, Pop and Son, uh, murdered this guy. Um, you know, the kid was, uh, the son was an ex-military dude. I'm not saying this negatively towards him or the military for his, him being ex-military. Uh, the father, you know, was a multi-year police veteran. Um, now, one of the things about the father that people are uh, criticizing as well, when he was policing, you know, he let certain certifications expire and uh, other people in law enforcement gave uh, Gregory McMichael a pass on that. Well, you know, one of the times that uh, his some of his certifications expired were um, because he had a heart attack. The next time, I think it was because his wife was dying of cancer. So, you know, in his last eight years as a police officer, he had uh, some, or not, not a police officer even, as an investigator with uh, whatever the hell county it is. Uh, Glynn County, Georgia. Uh, he he had some issues there with you know certifications. Um, now this these officers that killed George Floyd, you know, had a whole different set of issues. Um, Officer Chavin had several. Uh, abusive, not abusive power. Um, the hell do they call that? Well, he was rough on suspects. Let's put it that way. Um, also, Doctor Officer Thou, he had um, some issues. And uh, the interesting thing is, you know, Amy Klobuchar was the state attorney general, and. You know, I don't know how far up the chain it went, if it went all the way up to Amy Klobuchar herself, but she didn't prosecute Officer Chavin when uh, there was a opportunity in his past to uh, have charges pressed against him. Um, so I went on the the greatest, second greatest third, I don't know, whatever the hell your opinion is, the greatest social media, screwed the pooch, okay, we're recording again, okay, went on the greatest social media forum ever, Twitter, and I hope you detect my sarcasm, and so, uh, I wanted to see, you know, what sort of tweets that Al Sharpton and Reverend Jackson had about this matter. 
of uh, George Floyd, but in particular, um, uh, the rioting that has come out uh, has begun uh, over this. Of course, you know, there were going to be protests, and that's uh, that makes sense. You know, you got a you know, middle-aged black man was killed on uh, video. Um, you know, sometimes I just laugh. I don't. I don't mean anything by it. So don't take that. I find it funny. I think it's a nervous reaction I have. Um, but anyhow, so we watched this man get murdered. And, of course, you know, protests need to happen. Uh, It's been, what, 72 hours, and no charges have been pressed. No one's been arrested, uh, at least not of, uh, you know, 12, 19 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, star date, the 5th, 5-29-20. To my knowledge, no charges have been pressed against any of the officers. And more and more footage comes out. Uh, one of the local TV stations uh, had on their YouTube, quote, body cam footage. And I don't know what body cam they were, whose body cam it was. Uh, because it doesn't look like the officer that stayed on his neck was, uh, was wearing a body cam, and you can, you know, clearly see his whole body in the video, so if he had a body cam on, it was something very small, but it doesn't matter, body camera's a body camera. Um, there's another angle now from across the street where you see, uh, Officer Thau at his, Post, I guess you would call it, uh, in front of the police officer, Chavin, who's on George Floyd's neck, and in front of the police SUV. Then you see uh, two other officers, you know, one kneeling on George Floyd's back, and another one on his legs. Uh, and this is this I, I don't know exactly, but this is probably at the point where George Floyd was saying, you know, my my stomach hurts, my penis hurts, I can't breathe, everything hurts. And you know, yeah, he had three you know guys that were uh, over 200, 250 pounds, you know, kneeling on him. From head to toe, and I, I'm, I'm telling you, man. If I was him, I would have been putting up a hell of a lot bigger struggle than what he, George Floyd, did. Now, I wouldn't have been crying. I think those officers might have been crying. Um, and I'm like the I have put my uh, probably sabotaged my own political career. You know, sticking up for police officers because. Some people in, in my area still don't approve of the person who I helped get appointed police chief in my town. But uh, that's not um, nothing to do with this matter. But, uh, you know, I, I stick by the police, you know, but I also got to call it like I see it, you know. These four officers did something really, really bad that led to a man's death. Uh, and, you know, they're responsible. They should be charged, you know, with murder. And, uh, you know, now we see that, you know, there were, it was more than just one officer, you know, kneeling on his neck. So, uh, you know, kneeling on someone's neck is bad enough. Uh, that can kill a person. But then when you add the other three, or the other two, pardon me, you know, kneeling on his back and on his legs, there, there's another problem there. Now, like I said, this 
quote-unquote body cam footage didn't show much. And there's a gap in, you know, where we go from where you can see them on security video camera from the uh, store, a store. I don't know if it's the one he, uh, he was trying to pay with a counterfeit $10 bill and he didn't. I don't know if he knew it was counterfeit. I mean, there's counterfeit money in my area all the time because uh, just the amount of drugs and, um, you know, the Mexican drug cartels bring it up and the Russian mafia and drug cartels bring it in from bringing the counterfeit money and money gets exchanged for drugs and sometimes it's counterfeit money. Um, God, what a world we live in. Small town in Ohio and we have counterfeit money from the Russian mafia. Um, we don't have any Russian mafia in my town that I know of, but... It comes from like Cleveland or somewhere around there. Um, the counterfeit money does. And the drugs come up through uh, Mexico into Cincinnati, through Columbus, and then, you know, other places. And sometimes it comes from New Jersey uh, through this area and down into Columbus. Don't want to blame everything on Mexico. Sometimes it is the, the Ruski Mafia. Um, I'm going to get myself killed one way or another in this video. Uh, so, uh, anyway, um, the, the first tweet I saw from Reverend, I mean, come on, Reverend Al Sharpton. I don't know when the last time this man preached for real was, but, uh, Al Sharpton, uh, at the top of his Twitter feed, you know, he said something about Donald Trump calls him a, a troublemaker. And Al's response is, um, I am a troublemaker, you know, towards bigots. Okay, Al, let's see something here. So, uh, the bigot, right? The racist Donald Trump has... Backed prison reform. Oh, relight the cigar, sorry. Might need to take some of that ash off the end of it. That might help. So anyways, remember, uh, Kim Kardashian West, when she, uh, pled to Donald Trump to help get, uh, an African-American person out of jail that was possibly wrongly accused, evidently wrongly accused because Trump did get them out of jail. But that led to all-out prison reform for, from Donald Trump. And uh, obviously Congress had to do some things with that too. He gave more money to historic black colleges this year and for the next 10 years than any president before him. He, uh, you know, put more government resources towards sickle cell anemia research, which is a horrible disease that disproportionately affects the black community. Uh, he, sickle cell anemia, it's hard to read without my glasses. He created opportunity scholarships for, you know, young black people to, uh, who overachieve in their public schools, they can get a scholarship to a charter school where they can have more opportunities. And then, of course, there are the Opportunity Zones, which he worked with Cory Booker on, and 
Tim Scott, two black senators, one a Democrat, Cory Booker, one a Republican, Tim Scott. And Cory Booker still says Donald Trump is racist. Odd. Well, if he's a racist, he it's he's terrible at it because he sure is hell doing a lot for black folks uh, and other minority groups. I mean, economics is the biggest thing, and government can either do it by you know ruin it by getting in the way, or fix it by getting out of the way for the most part. Um, and we, you know, see where Trump has had, you know, the lowest unemployment rates in all demographics, uh, women, my, uh, blacks, Hispanics, uh, you know, whites, whatever, everything, you know, so his economic policies have helped everybody. Um, so I Googled, you know, Donald Trump donations to Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson. Because I know that these two have supported him in the past. Uh, and I wanted to see, you know, what Trump, you know, financially donated to their uh, respective causes. You know, Don, or, uh, Jesse Jackson has uh, the rain, it was called the Rainbow Coalition. I think now they call it something else, but it's still the Rainbow something. I'll call it the Rainbow Coalition for this matter. Um, so, we'll go with this. This is an article from the West Side Gazette. And it's called An Open Letter to Reverend Jesse Jackson, Reverend Al Sharpton, and Congresswoman Maxine Waters regarding racist white presidents. Reverend Jackson, the following is from a recent news article. Jesse Jackson says Trump would probably have been with the stormtroopers on Bloody Sunday in, in Selma. Famed civil rights activist Jesse Jackson here to commemorate the 1965 Voting Rights March across... Here, I gotta put my glasses on, sorry. There's gonna be a glare, but... Across the Edmund Pottis Bridge, he said he believes Donald Trump would probably have been on the side of the stormtroopers who beat protesters in what was known as Bloody Sunday. Yahoo News asked Jackson what he thought Trump would have been doing if he was in Selma at the time. Jackson said, you know, probably with the stormtroopers. And then there's a link to uh, the Yahoo News thing. Reverend, please read flashback Jesse Jackson praises Donald Trump for a lifetime of service to blacks. This is what I'm getting at. Jesse Jackson, at one time, praised Donald Trump. So, go back to the article. With all the talk about how racist Donald Trump is, this is pretty a pretty funny reminder of the way black leaders used to talk about the man who is now President of the United States. An old video has recently emerged that has none other than Jesse Jackson praising Trump. Dot, dot, dot. Jesse Jackson, of course, is someone the left considers having impeccable racial credentials. So what will they do with this video? Probably ignore it. But conservatives won't let them get off that easily. And then there's another link to a blog. As I said before, back to the article, as I said before, Donald Trump is your friend. Everyone knows that fact. People you know never become close friends with racists. 
but I disagree. Reverend Jesse Jackson wrote in 2018, Democrats have no chance but to stand strong against the rollback of civil rights and the stoking of racial fears that have become the signature of Trump's presidency. And then there's a link to the Chicago Sun-Times article. Donald Trump donated space to you at 40 Wall Street in New York City for your Wall Street project, remember? This is what I keep talking about where uh, Jesse Jackson you know, used to give Donald Trump awards and praise for helping black people get jobs on Wall Street. So Donald Trump gave Jesse Jackson's Wall Street project uh, free office space. And then it says, you know, quotes Reverend Jackson, when we opened this Wall Street project, he gave us space at 40 Wall Street, which was to make a statement about having our presence there. Jackson once sang of sang Donald Trump's praises. And then there's a link to the uh, New York Post where you can read that. And now, Reverend Sharpton. Al Sharp. I don't like to call him Reverend. The article calls him Reverend. Anyways. Al Sharpton, you said, I think Donald Trump represents blacklash of eight years of President Obama and has given every dog whistle or racial signal to the worst elements in American society. Uh, and then there's a link to uh, the Independent, which is a United Kingdom newspaper. <sighs> Go back to the article. It says, Donald Trump gave thousands of dollars. Well, let me reread re that. Donald Trump gave your organization thousands of dollars did you refund him his money did you al did you al trump donated thousands he had close working relationships with al sharpton and then there's a link to meditate.com uh, there are links in the description to these articles i'm reading from so you can get the other links from those links Congressman Maxine Waters, you said for these members of his cabinet to remain and try to defend him, they're not going to be able to go to restaurants. They're not going to be able to go to gas stations. They're not going to be able to shop at department at a department store. The people are going to turn turn on them. They're going to protest. They're going to absolutely harass them until they decide they're going to tell their president, no, you can't hang out with, we can't, no, I can't hang out with you. This is wrong. This un, unconsciousable and this is un, whatever, unconsciousable and we can't keep doing this to our children. So that's where Maxine Waters agged people on to harass Trump cabinet members and did. They did harass Trump cabinet members. Uh, during the civil rights era, did Dr. Martin Luther King, Philip Randolph, uh, Baynard Rustin, etc., use such language to harass members of the previous president's administrations, Democrat or Republican? These civil rights leaders were class acts, weren't they? Uh, that's the article speaking. How have things changed? Also, Mac, Rep. Maxine Waters, Democrat, California, on Friday accused Harvard Law professor your emeritus Alan Dershowitz of being racist for saying that the Trump administration will be facing unfavorable locality for grand, a grand jury because it's solidly Democratic and has an ethnic and racial composition not favorable to Trump. 
Maxine Waters accuses the law professor of being racist. Alan Dershowitz is a liberal Democrat who supported Bill Clinton, remember? He is no racist Republican. Is it not time for all of you to sweep around your own front doors before you sweep around the White House? So I'm going to end that article there. You can read the rest for yourself, but that backs up the point I've been harping on for you know years. Donald Trump was friends of Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, Oprah Winfrey, to name three. He gave money and office space <clears throat> to their causes. And there are pictures of them shaking hands with him, you know, glad-handing and back-slapping Donald Trump when they needed his help. And you know what? The re the I think the reason that the so many call him racist is, you know, it started with the media. You know, he had the quote that there are rapists and murderers coming across our southern border. The media told you that Donald Trump said all Mexicans are rapists and murderers. Donald Trump never said that. Okay? The media told you he said that. But he never said that. Okay? But that created fuel for this quote-unquote racist fire now. The reason that they have to call him racist and this and that is he's too rich for the Washington establishment to buy off. Okay? He's too independent of, you know, political hacks. Like, say, for example, when he first got into office, his chief of staff was Reince Priebus, the uh, former Republican national chairman. Reince wanted him to play Washington politics. And Trump said, no, I'm not doing that. So he got rid of Reince Priebus. Got a new chief of staff. Okay, so a, a lot of Trump's staff members are outsiders. Kaylee McEnany is the latest. Uh, and the press doesn't like the way she handles them, but she handles them the same way Trump does. And she's always got her scrapbook of quotes and things that the press said. Kind of similar to what that article I just read said. Um, you know, in the past, Jesse Jackson said this about Trump. Now, I'm speaking for myself, not Kaylee. But, you know, in the past, you know, Reverend Jackson said good things about Trump. Trump helped Reverend Jackson in the past. Well, Al Sharpton had good things to say about him in the past. Trump gave thousands of dollars to Al Sharpton's organization. And the nice comments came after Trump's good deeds. I kind of put it in back in reverse. But, you know, Trump did good things and he got praise from the guys that are now calling him a racist. If you're racist, you don't have any black friends. If you're racist... You don't help black people. You don't help people of any ethnicity and color other than your own. And I say it that way because racism can go several different directions. It's not always white against black or white against this or white. Sometimes it's oriental against black. Sometimes it's, you know, Asian against white. Uh, you know, and people can be, you know, racist within their own ethnicity and, and dislike and have prejudice towards other people of their own race. So, uh, another article here uh, from the Philadelphia Tribune. When did Donald Trump become racist? Man...
we got to relight the cigar. Alright, it's going just good enough. So, uh, Philly Tribune, with the mainstream media focusing on the one-year anniversary of the Charlottesville riots last year, many news organizations are basically blaming President Trump for stoking the hatred and racial tensions that led to the violence in a small college town because of his coarse rhetoric and on immigration and the NFL player protests. I will concede the article says that Trump is not without blame in contributing to some of the coarseness of our society, but it's hard to deny the fact that Trump has been consistent his whole adult life. Trump has always been brash, arrogant, self-centered, abrasive in his language, and never won to let the smallest slight go without response. For decades, Trump has been the toast of New York City elites, and the media has always clamored to get interviews with Trump. Again, like I said, Oprah Winfrey, for example. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel. All these guys uh, and women wanted Trump on their talk shows when uh, you know he was uh, just a businessman. A very famous one, but nonetheless. Anyone who spends time in the Big Apple knows that stories about Trump sell newspapers and his TV interviews garner epic race ratings. Even before Trump opened his hotels in Atlantic City, New Jersey, both ordinary people and celebrities would line up to get pictures with Trump. The real estate tycoon would parade very influential and aspiring politicians into his office to for, and have them grovel for his support and money. They were happy to do it, especially if there was a news crew around. This uh, additionally at, came despite some of the negative things that were things that we have all known about Trump's business practices, facts that we have known for decades. In the early 70s, his father, Fred, were sued by the Department of Housing and Urban Development for housing discrimination. This case was widely covered in the New York media. In the 80s, Trump called for the death of the Central Park Five, a group of young black and Hispanic men who were falsely accused of raping a woman in the famed New York City Park. The five men served years in jail. Years later, their convictions were overturned. Trump called for the death penalty of the men in that case, despite all the evidence pointing to their innocence. Again, the issue received massive amounts of media coverage. Despite this notoriously, this notoriety, pardon me, the Reverend Jackson, the Reverend Jesse Jackson, heaped tons of effusive praise upon Donald Trump at his 1998, 1998 Rainbow Push Coalition Wall Street Project Conference in New York. There is simply no way to explain away Jackson's high regard for Trump based on this video. In similar manner, the Reverend Al Sharpton uh, up to Trump, cozied up to Trump quite, quite a bit in the 1980s and beyond. According to a detailed expose in the National Review, they had, a mutual, they had mutual business dealings together that seemed to be based on each other's personal agendas. They each had something that the other wanted and needed and struck deals based on mutual interests. Trump both, 
both raised funds and contributed thousands of dollars to Sharpton-backed causes over the years, according to the National Review. Even Oprah Winfrey got in on the act. She and Trump were known to have socialized together on occasion, according to Fortune magazine. In recent interviews, both Jackson and Sharpton have alluded to the fact that they have not changed, but that Trump had changed. That's <laughs> that's why they were distancing themselves from Trump. Yet, we had all known knowledge of the HUD settlement, Trump's views on the Central Park Five. Now, the Central Park Five thing, I mean, if you hear an allegation of a gang of five guys raped somebody, and, you know, I remember hearing about that case when I was a kid. It, it rings a bell. I don't know the details. But, I mean, if you're in Trump's shoes, you know, he has no tolerance for rape and murder. He showed no tolerance for this murder of George Floyd and Ahmaud, and also no tolerance for the murder of Ahmaud Arbery. Um, so, anyways, back to the article. Why was he not called a racist back then by Jackson, Sharpton, and Oprah? There is nothing new that we have learned about Trump since he has become president. He's constantly been who he, is, who he now is for more than 40 years. These black folks who now want to brand Trump a racist didn't seem to mind associating with him when he owned casinos when he was one of the biggest boxing promoters in the world, when he flew them around on his private jets and helicopters, or when he invited them to appear on his Apprentice TV show. So the question, is, the question that I ask black Americans and white liberals is this, when did Donald Trump suddenly become racist? Before he entered the world of politics, he was branded as the life of the party, and now that he is president, he is being branded as a racist. This goes back to my point. He can't be bought off by the Washington establishment. He's not a member of the swamp, and liberals hate him, even though every one of them, Pelosi, Schumer, Clinton, Obama... Who's the other nut from California? Feinstein. They all wanted border security. They all wanted a wall or a fence or a yellow brick road or something on that Mexican border. But then Donald Trump came along and their stories had to change so they could say, well, we disagree with Donald Trump on something. So... <clears throat> The article goes on to say what gives here. Not, nothing gives. That you know, Donald Trump probably doesn't make his big donations to their organizations anymore because he's president and <clears throat> and I don't know if he can or not. <clears throat> but that's not even the point. The point is, you know, he's he hasn't changed. Everyone in New York, you know, talks about how arrogant and brash Trump was, uh, you know, before he became president. And like this article says, you know, newspapers knew that headlines with Donald Trump sold newspapers. Interviews with Donald Trump gained ratings. Uh, say Howard Stern, for example. You know, Trump used to be on the Stern show a lot. And I was shocked the other day that Stern has turned against him. But then again, some of Stern's former sidekicks like Artie Lang, uh, who Artie, Trump dumped Artie for um, Chelsea Handler. Yeah, I'll light my cigar again.
Anyway, a lot of people say, you know, Howard Stern has changed. Um, I don't want to get off on a Howard Stern thing, but, you know, people say Howard has changed. Uh, He used to make fun of all the, you know, Hollywood elites and things like that. Now you see him at the dinner parties with the same people he used to poke fun at and ridicule. So Stern, you know, secretly always wanted to be one of the elite celebrities and now he's gotten that point he's gotten to that point in his life and also he's getting older he's in his 50s and uh, you you change over time but him and trump used to be friends and you know yeah he (laughs) of all the people you know howard stern knows donald trump you know he had you know, they talk about Trump grabbed women by the coochie comment, right? Donald Trump said, oh yeah, if you're a celebrity, women will even let you grab them by the crotch. It, uh, well, uh, hello, Howard Stern. What are you notorious for doing on your show? Having strippers, porn stars, uh, and all this on there. And I, I have no problem with strippers or porn stars, but... You know, everybody's got to make a living. So, um, you know, it's just like these people were all Donald's buddies. And and it's hard for me. I've been not to this extent, but, you know, because of uh, social media and whatever, I've been in Trump's shoes. Uh, I don't think I've been accused of racism yet. But I'm sure it's coming because that's a key word that you can use to undermine or submarine any Republican's political careers to call them a racist, right? But, uh, you know, I saw on social media when I got on council, you know, people saying that, oh, you know, Wellsville City Council lines its pockets with this money uh hello you were just uh buttering up to me and you you've been my friend for like 30 40 years and now you're saying this about me we we went went all the way through elementary school together and you're generalizing that we're uh, i'm lining my pockets so i i that's the perspective i take on it you know, in the primary, I was, um, I actually early, early on, because God, crying out loud, after Barack Obama got elected to his second term, the Republican primary basically started. And there was like 27 and a half Republicans because, you know, Governor Christie counts for one and a half people. Uh, he's that big. So, you know, 27 and a half Republicans were running. Uh, because th- there would be no incumbent Democrat, right? And then Trump threw his hat in there towards the last minute. And um, at first, about two years out, I predicted Ted Cruz would be the guy. And then after that, I took a liking to Marco Rubio. I really, I still like Marco Rubio. I hope he does become president someday. Um, but then Trump, well, okay, wait a minute. There's one more in between there. Uh, we were all asked by the Columbus Republican establishment to be good little Republicans and... At the time, Governor John Kasich was so hugely popular in Ohio that the Republican establishment thought that if Kasich could win Ohio, that would derail Trump's momentum enough that they could go to a brokered convention and screw Trump out of the nomination. So I supported John Kasich in Ohio. And 
I'm telling you, for a long time, I was like, man, I can't vote for Hillary. And by the way, obviously, you know, Trump outright won the Republican nomination. Uh, John Kasich didn't even go to the Republican National Convention in Cleveland. Uh, but John Kasich did win the Ohio primary. It was the only primary he won. And then Trump got right back on the momentum trail all the way through the rest of the primaries and into the convention. But it was only like right before the GOP convention that I started to like think to myself, you know, I used to look up to Donald Trump in the 80s. I thought he was like so cool. And then, you know, things started to happen, blah, blah, woof, woof. Um, you know, I like the cele the Celebrity Apprentice TV show. Um, not that that makes him a good president, but nonetheless, you know, I, I just looked at myself and said, why do I dislike this guy that I used to look up to and used to want to be like? You know what I'm saying? And so I, I started warming up to him. But man, there were even days when, you know, like the thing I could shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and my supporters would still like me. And it was like the night before the morning of the election. I said, there's something going on here. This Tr Trump has some sort of momentum. And I kind of said, I think Donald Trump's going to win the presidency. My buddy and I were doing a podcast um, before the, this uh, election, the night before, and I was like, man, Trump's going to win. I think Donald Trump is going to win this, you know? So, but there were times when he would say things, and I'm like, you know what, I think he's trying to throw the election for Hillary. You know, they used to be friends. He paid the Clintons to come to... Ivanka's wedding, something's up here, you know, I'm like, is he trying to lose, and man, his brashness, and everything just spoke to a group of Americans that felt forgotten, and, you know, they came out and voted for him in droves, and, you know, yeah, he, he lost the popular vote by a smidgen, but that electoral college is there to protect America from another civil war and protect us in like Ohio, which is kind of a medium sized state, but it protects us from being dominated by New York, Texas, and California. You know, would you want New York City setting the policies for the rest of the country? Uh, you know, really the, the power in American government is supposed to be in the House of Representatives. <coughs> That's where Pardon me, I had to take a gulp of water. You know, like all spending bills must originate from the House of Representatives and stuff like that. Um, you know, there should be no they're separate but equal branches, but really the power should be in the people's house. That's why they're elected to two-year terms and con or the Senate is six-year terms because the house is supposed to be most in touch with the people. And by campaigning and, you know, you having to go out there and shake hands and kiss babies, <clears throat> that keeps you in touch with the people more. Presidents really are not supposed to be as powerful as what we've made them today. But uh, that's a whole other set of things. So, when did Donald Trump become a racist? When did Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton, by law, have to start disliking President Trump? That's the question. And, you know... They had to turn on him when he became a Republican because, you know, they just couldn't support a Republican for God's 
mistakes because they make their living, their livelihood off of being liberals. So, you know, they would lose money by supporting a Republican. That's my opinion. Um, you know, I, I asked uh, Reverend Jackson and Al Sharpton on Twitter, you know, what do you think about the rioting and looting? And I, I threw in there, you know, I do see white trash and Antifa members out there looting as well. But, you know, when this rioting starts, protesting turns into rioting, where what where are Al and Jesse? Why don't they, as leaders of that community, the civil rights community, the black community, whatever you want to call it, why don't they say, hey, stop the rioting? You're not solving anything. Protest, vote, look at the issues, go against the government. Or whatever needs to, whatever, you know, force you need to go up, go up against. But do it the Dr. Martin Luther King and old school civil rights way. Peaceful disobedience, civil disobedience. What they're doing right now is far from civil. Um, but, again, are they leaders or are they just there to make a buck off of you know the community and the whatever the heck you want to call it you know make make a dollar off of um, racial politics I don't know I, I still like Jesse Jackson um, still like him Al Sharpton just rubs me wrong so but as the articles have shown you when they needed Donald Trump's connections pocketbook and television ratings Oprah Jesse and Al all were friends of Donald Trump so with that this has been an hour Hope you guys listened. You know, if you're on Facebook or on YouTube, like, share, and subscribe. Um, if you're listening on Ye Podcast, you know, you can share this. Uh, make fun of me to your friends, whatever you want to do. I don't care. But have a good, good night. God bless you and pray for each other. Thank you very, very much.